Rob, Rob, it's your cousin, Marvin London. You know that new <laughs> podcast sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Uh, don't call me chicken, I'm David. And yes, today we are doing the first part of the two-part season finale of Transformers Rescue Bots. Episode number 25. A season finale on a show aimed at little kids? What? Yes. Crazy. I mean... Can't be a two-parter. You can't... You gotta gotta end the season somehow. You can't have it be like bot. You can't end the season on bot. (laughs) We, We have learned these lessons in the last large number of years that you can't well, just end a okay, season maybe, on bot. I guess it's just that I, I don't expect it from a show aimed at younger kids because I don't watch shows aimed at younger kids. Yeah, but yes, I have no idea what the conventions are for no. preschool storytelling. The fact that bot could have been the very last episode of Transformers if there was no season three is oh my horrific. God. <laughs> oh my God. I like to think that by then they knew it was successful enough that they would come back for a season three. Yeah. But also... Well, yeah, because they had the movie and everything was all set up. It's just that... It, yeah, they were kind of figuring out how, of the how these things worked. Did yeah. That's right. Didn't G.I. Joe end a season on There's No Place Like Springfield? Oh, I think it might have. Oh, that was the really? best episode. <laughs> like, I rewatched it a couple of years ago, and it absolutely holds up. <laughs> so that was, uh, someone, someone at Sunbow had some idea of how you actually end a season. By traumatizing children forever. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, so yeah, yes. Yeah, like, I, I was, br- brief uh, plug for our Patreon, uh, I was talking in our GoBots episode about how I didn't, like, I remembered that I watched GoBots, but nothing stayed with me about it. But there's no place, like, Springfield absolutely stayed with me about G.I. Joe. <laughs> Wait, that that's the one, where, is it Shipwreck is in Springfield and, like, people melt? Yes. Yes, it's, it, exactly. Somebody definitely um. got high and watched a bunch of episodes <laughs> of The Prisoner before writing that episode. It does have very <laughs> strong Prisoner vibes. And by someone, I'm pretty sure that one's Steve Gerber. I think so. Yeah. Well, there, around like the early 80s, enough things were referencing The Prisoner anyway. Could have got it from secondary sources, but yeah. It's a good show. I, I've tried to watch it. I kind of can't. It, it's in that zone where like, if I'd watched it when I, I was much younger, I probably would have loved it. But now it's gone too far that it, it just feels too... Well, it's like if I had tried to watch old Doctor Who now mm. instead of loving it as a child. I, I think the practical effects cheapness might put me off a lot of episodes. The bubble wrap! Ooh, the bubble wrap. Anyway, so today's episode is It's a Bot Time. Uh, maybe not their best pun. <laughs> no. It's okay. Uh, I, it's definitely no, but... an age-appropriate pun. Yeah, it it feels like it should be, like, it definitely should be the title of one of these episodes. Maybe not this one, but eh, I guess it fits. And uh, first aired August 18th, 2012, uh, written by frequent writer 
uh, Nicole Dubik, uh, previously seen in Shake Up. Ha, ah, pretty recently. Yes. And who will write many more episodes of Rescue Bots. Oh. Uh, so we begin with uh, Frankie having discovered she uh, she wants Cody to come see a dead body. Wait, no. (laughs) Yes, apparently while her father was gardening, he found that one of the little, like, rock shelf cliff pieces was a holographic hiding doorway. (laughs) As you have all over the... I just assume that, like... When you lean on a rock face in Griffin Rock, it's like a 50-50 chance you're going to find some sort of hidden entrance. Yeah, it's going to be a hologram. The the rock's actually going to be a button that swings it around like a secret bookcase. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's probably a bunch of them because of all the tunnels and things. But the, the, most, well, I would say most of the holograms seem located around the mountain research lab. But then again, we have hologram projectors in at least, what is it, like three dozen places around town at least? Yes. Who knows what else they're covering? Apparently. Mm-hmm. So there is a secret chamber in here. Apparently this holographic projection has been running since the 30s, because there is an old circa 1930s police car in there. The and 30s were known for their hologram technology. I mean, clearly they were in Griffin Rock, I guess. I guess. Well, you, well maybe this island is also where Gotham City was? <laughs> 30s car could be Batman tech. This island is very strange. Or maybe Lucius Fox's family came from here? Who knows? (laughs) Well, it turns out that there are wheels within wheels because Cody finds a second hidden trigger in the form of a wrench that opens up a hidden room inside the hidden room. (laughs) Dun dun dun. And it reveals the Stargate. Yes. (laughs) That was actually literally what I wrote in my notes, was, hey, a Stargate. It also kind of looks like the thing from the Time Tunnel for anybody who's super old. Yeah, well, well, because the time, the Stargate kind of looked like the Time Tunnel, although it was more oval. And the portal we do get later is kind of Time Tunnel-ish, but not quite as detailed. Mm-hmm. Which, that's another thing I saw as a kid that I only remember that I have seen. I don't remember much about it. So it turns out this is a time machine. <gasps> Which, like, I feel like they're not as excited as they should be. I mean, like, it's Griffin Rock. excited. That's... Yeah. Moderately exciting. You know, they don't have a time machine, but it's a thing that could exist on Griffin Rock. Yeah. But it turns out that they were never actually able to get it to work, which is not surprising because it was 1939 and they were trying to build a time machine. Yeah, well, you yeah. <laughs> Did they? I mean, I, I, I guess by then, like Einstein was having all the necessary theories that would be required to to have this sort of physics. I, yes. I'd have to look that up. Well, and I guess I mean, uh, obviously, H.G. Wells's "The Time Machine" is from considered before this. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. 
Yes, steampunk time machine. So the the fictional concept was established regardless of whether the actual physics were established. Well, I mean, I know Jules Verne later plays a part on this show. It's entirely possible H.G. Wells does as well. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So Frankie is very excited to go to the future because she wants to she wants to go to the future and meet space aliens, real space aliens. Wink, wink. <laughs> Cody does have a, oh yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's wild, Dave. (laughs) Anyway, so Cody, uh, you know, he's, he heads back home. He's looking for a, he's looking to hit the drive-in, but, uh, nobody is interested. Cade is going off to impress some preschoolers and also their hot teacher. Yes, it's... Oh my goodness. Okay, sorry. I'm having my desk destroyed as I record by by my cat's on here. It's just taken out a significant number of wreckers. Uh, but yes, we we have established now that his his romantic interest Haley is actually a preschool teacher. Yes. And uh Boulder is uh study is helping Graham study. Uh Blades is uh, flying with Frankie. And uh, Chase is, uh, you'd like to hang out, but only if they uh, go over some municipal codes. <laughs> Doesn't he specifically say outdated municipal codes? Yes. Just like, that's, no one want literally no one wants to do that, Chase. No one. Cody, did you realize that it is illegal to, uh, to own more than five ducks within Griffin City city limits? <laughs> <laughs> They're outdated, so that's not even illegal now. Now you can own all the ducks you want. Which, oh, that that's a thing that should have come up in the episode, that he quotes outdated laws. When they go back into the past, yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet that is a thing that came up at some point. Yeah, in, in some draft of it. But it got cut out. Oh, well. Yeah, I, I did, uh... I did note that Boulder is specifically talking about uh, learning something about hydraulics. I was like, well, that's because hydraulics involves, like, liquid and water, and they don't have that on Cybertron. <laughs> so that's an exciting new Earth technology. Mm-hmm. Except when there's acid rain. Also steam. Uh, I bet steam is an exciting new Earth <laughs> technology. Uh, so they, uh, so luckily... Cody's uh, evening is saved because Doc Green gives him a call, and he has fixed the time machine. It seems that the problem was they didn't have enough power back in 1939, and now he has it, thanks to the power of the atom! <laughs> yes! They didn't have a, a proper, like, rig to to uh, shoot lightning at it. Yeah, they, they, by... they weren't... Yeah, they, they didn't have the lightning, and also they didn't have uh, Libyans just to uh, scan plutonium out of. That too. That too. I sold a box of used pinball machine parts, Cody. <laughs> yes, so Doc Green just has plutonium lying around. I mean, not surprising, but more disturbing. As opposed to, I have also, a few times in my notes I, I, I say, I, no, Doc. I thought it was very cute that, that Doc calls and they're like, Doc Green, what's the matter? And he's like, no, what's the anti-matter? Because there's nothing wrong. It's good news. And I love that being like a response when you have good news. So it's, it's a science dad joke. It's, it's a very science dad joke. I mean, that's kind of his thing. So, that and almost accidentally destroying the entire island. That's also his thing. Yes. When Cody's trying to ask the bots if they want to go see a movie with him, Boulder is sitting crisscross applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> 
kind of surprised he can do that with those big shovel feet. With his giant shovel bulldozer feet. <laughs> so the plan is, Doc Green is going to send his helper bot, Dither, just to, just to poke around, because his rationale is, the, they stopped working on it August 17th, 1939. So therefore, if I send them back that day, nobody will be working on it. Which, really, that's a big yeah. presumption, Doc. Yeah, like, That's a pretty big presumption. Send it back, like, the day after they were supposed to officially stop. It's like, couldn't you have gone a year after, Doc? You like, don't I mean, think if I know the anything janitor about... might have been poking around, or... Or maybe, you know, we it's not that we didn't mean to get around to doing more work on the time machine. We just kind of, you know, put a code over it for a couple of weeks. We kind of forgot about it. <laughs> Eventually, we just put this, we just made this all into a secret chamber. But they were probably hanging out for a little while before then. You know, using it as a storage closet. Yeah. You gotta move all your stuff out. You're not gonna do that just the next day. No. You keep putting it off. Like, safety say, go back a year. Well, hey, they are—they are thinking of safety because they have Frankie at, and Cody get into Heat Wave, which, in case time stuff happens, yeah, and then they'll be shielded. How ironic! Yes, because it turns out as soon as Dither gets into this uh, time tunnel, uh, bolts of time energy zap the rescue bots, and they all get sucked in. Ooh. There's a lot of very hand-wavy, like, I would say possibly yes. more hand-wavy science than usual for rescue bots in this episode. Well, I'm largely because of the time machine. What's time travel? Time travel is always very hand-wavy, timey, wimey stuff. It, it's, uh, so many other things do time travel so badly, it's easy to forgive this one. <laughs> yeah, this, this makes internal sense, at least. Every, also, when, when Dither is about to go into the time tunnel. Like, he looks back at them like, even he knows this is a bad idea. He's like a presumably non-sentient AI, and he's just like, you sure about this, Doc? <laughs> Pray for, uh, for Dither. <laughs> but yeah, there's, uh... It's all of this is just a terrible idea. So much of this yes. is a bad idea. I love it. Well, it, it it gets even more terrible because they get there, and as we kind of predicted, that lab is not empty, and it is occupied by none other than Doctor Morocco. Oh my god! What? No? How? Not okay. even. I mean, yes, and they, it's nice. They do point this out. Not even a young Doctor Morocco. Just a normal age, Dr. Morocco. Or or like his ancestor, Griff Morocco. Also, I feel that this backstory for him does a good job of explaining his fashion sense. Yes. Yeah, but it it makes so many things more complicated and strange. (laughs) Honestly, I've been watching, I've been catching up on the new DuckTales show, so I'm not as phased by this as I might be. (laughs) <laughs> so and he is clearly all you know wtf yes but in an evil way yes in an evil how can i turn this to my evil advantage way <laughs> although i like that he immediately assumes okay so you got these four big robots and this weird little gold ball robot and he's all oh the gold ball one must be their leader yes 
Because he's different, so he must be the leader, because he's the special one. So soon enough, he's, uh, so, you know, coat, you know, they, they're still trying to keep up the act for Frankie and being all, you know, bleep bloop, we are robots. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Cody and Frankie get out and, uh, just in time for Dr. Morocco's colleagues to come in. We've got Elma Hendrickson, who, uh, hey. who we've previously seen in hologram form. Yes. Uh, voiced by Kath Susie. She's got a fantastic beehive. Yes. And, uh, but we're very progressive here in 1939 Griffin Rock. You've got Ella Henderson, who is a, who's a black lady. And you've got a, uh, a, a bearded fellow in a turban. Yes. It's, yeah, it's some, I mean, I guess they figure if they're going to be on the cutting edge, they have to get everybody's cutting edge. But yeah, that's very progressive of them. Well, I suppose I agree to be the only black woman in Maine if it's uh, going to get me on this time machine project. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds worth it. So, you know, Dr. Marcus, well, hey, listen, they may have time germs from the, from the future. <laughs> yes. So, so you, Dodgson, take them away. Because Dodgson, we got Dodgson here. Yes. Dodgson. Dodgson. Or, or Dodgson. as I noted him, Doctor doesn't have a voice actor. No, he does not. He gets no lines. <laughs> they did not what? have the money to also pay someone to be this rando. Yep. Just do a funny accent or something. Nope. Nope. We are, we have already blown our budget on Tim Curry and that is money well spent. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes. Not going to argue that. <laughs> so, but luckily, uh, Frankie and Cody are able to use her hologram watch to escape, uh, the hapless Dodgson. And then immediately Frankie apparently is not familiar with the concept of the past. Because she's like, hey, why yeah, am I not getting a cell signal? Where are the satellites? Yes. Yeah, in most cases, Frankie is smart, but in the, this is the most dense I think she's I, ever been. I can kind of see this being such a big thing that she's just like, it's not sinking in. Like, these are not things that it's occurred to her would not be there. Yes. I, I, I blame millennials. Or... Uh, uh, um, they might be the generation after millennials at this point. I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah, I think that's what oh, they count uh, as. Uh, what do they call them? Zoomers. Yeah. Is it? I, I don't know. I don't know what the little kids are called. I now. don't know what kids are called these days. No. No, because this was in 2012, so they would have been born like after 2000. Yeah, so after like, 2000. I think that makes them Zoomers. I guess. Yeah. When the fuck does millennials start and stop? Well, I'm a millennial. Yes. Oh, yeah, but when does it stop? I think around 2000 or so. Or, or Oh, okay, so these would be right maybe or maybe 95, 2000. I think if you don't remember 911, you're a zoomer. <laughs> oh. Ah. That's fair. Anyway, lousy zoomers, as as a millennial, I can now shake my withered fist at them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, do not harass the young ones. They are more powerful than I'm, us. I'm, I'm going to huck my avocado toast at you. <laughs> we, we must we must work with them or uh, they will be against uh, us. 
See, those of us... <laughs> Go kick over some statues, Those of us kids. slightly older are more of the Xennials, which is a group that never, you never hear about to the point where they don't even get their own name because they spend literally all of their cultural capital making Ectotron and Gigawatt. <laughs> yeah, I think the Xennials, I think weren't they, wasn't that what one of the X books became during the Age of Apocalypse? Uh, no. I think maybe they had Gambit. Uh, probably. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, maybe Gambit and Dazzler. Uh, possibly Husk. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I guess we are Xennials, Jen. Yes. Dang. Yes, we are. Salty like Generation X, but... We haven't lost all of our teeth yet, like millennials. To me, to me, my exennials. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we've used all of our cultural capital on making toys of the Ninja Turtles in mm. Ghostbusters costumes. <laughs> mm. uh, but no, no, there's a solid couple of minutes here for Frankie as well. Well, why isn't why isn't uh, that uh, that Pilates studio there? Because it's 1939. <laughs> Where's the internet cafe? Nowhere, because it's 1939. She is. There was no internet. Yeah, she is oh. looking for the cyber cafe, and and yeah, it's like no. Cody is like no. This is 1939. Wh Why like, are all these cars old? Because it's 1939, Frankie. Look, sometimes something changes, and it takes you time to get your head around it. <laughs> she's just she's processing it. Well, speaking of things to process, they run into. Uh, the future, uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Mrs. Niederlander. <laughs> and Petty Paw's great, great, great grandmother? Yes. She's very Yeah, this cranky. is like Petty Paw's the first. She's on to like her seventh or eighth Petty Paw's at this point. Yeah. And she, because she's quite old. I'm not sure how long cats live, exactly. Uh, uh, a decade. 15 to 20 man, years. You know. I mean, my, sometimes more, sometimes my, less. My boyhood cat last lived 20 years, but she was exceptionally old. I had one who Ooh, lived yeah, to 19, that's... and she was pretty I, old. Um, Felix? How old was Felix? Got around 15, but none of my other cats have lived that Well, no, how old? No, Kitty didn't last that long. She was maybe a decade. Everybody else has been shorter. Cats. Health problems and weird things. Anyway, yeah. anyway, amusingly, she's been wearing the same glasses for decades. <laughs> yes. Uh, doesn't have the doesn't have the same haircut. I mean, though. you find a style you like. She's uh, she's a little Shirley Temple here. Yes. And she's also very cranky and tells them to yes. stop standing around. Yes. Uh, also voiced by Kath Susie. Yes. Who voices a lot of little girls. Yes, like. The aforementioned kid from Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, who you never see on screen. <laughs> That's right. The younger sister, who's just always off screen, sounding like Kath Susie and not like a real child. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, guess, oh, go ahead. I, know, I was just going to say, I guess Cree Summer was busy and couldn't voice a small child. <laughs> She's going to be in a later episode, actually. Okay. Uh, she plays. Uh, she plays Doc Green's magician sister. Okay, it's it's not surprising that Cree Summer shows up in a cartoon show for kids because on a long enough timeline it will happen. Yes, yes. The 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 arc of animation is long and it bends towards Cree Summer. <laughs> yes. Anyway, speaking of guest stars, uh, Chief Burns is on the horn with special guest Peter Cullen. <gasps> She's like, so oh, yeah. uh, we we lost your kids in the time stream. 
That is, that is most distressing, Chief Burns. Perhaps it had something to do with our energon, and that is the last we're going to discuss this. They did mention, because, and I am sort of curious, because, uh, when, when they disappear into the time tunnel, uh, Doc Green asks what they run on, and Chief Burns is like, I don't know. And I do kind of wonder if he literally doesn't know or if he's just not going to tell Doc Green that they run on Energon. Well, would it have come up? Yeah, I think he doesn't. I, my guess is he doesn't know. Yeah, that probably hasn't. It's probably because he does seem a bit uncomfortable by the quest with the question, but it does sound like it's one of those things that it never occurred to him to need to know that. But it's definitely not normal Earth energy, so yeah. Yeah. That's a question he government energy. <laughs> it's a question he doesn't know the answer to and also if he did, he doesn't know if he would be able to tell them. No. So yeah. Optimus explains that they run on Energon and, you know, you know, Energon. Everybody knows what Energon is. Yeah. You know, it comes in cubes, comes in crystals. They've never mentioned this to you, Chief Burns. Highly explosive. No. It's, it's our blood, but it's also our money. It's very complicated. Yeah. Also can be used in weapons. Uh, also, I'm sending you my DVD set of Transformers Energon. <laughs> Please take it. I need to get rid of it. <laughs> I'm looking to clear some space. It might prove educational. No. no, no, Ratchet, quiet down. I'm, I'm getting him to accept the DVD set. Yes, and I'll also throw in Cybertron and Armada. <laughs> yes, whole trilogy. I'll tell you a great deal about our history, question mark. It's hours of entertainment. <laughs> I should get all those just for posterity. Yeah. I don't want them. Anyway, so yeah, the uh, the scientists are putting the rescue bots through their paces. They've got to transform and then transform back. Oh no! They're, they're having drive around in circles, exceeding the speed. Yes, which chases. It's just killing him inside. Obviously, Blades is finding having to just transform back and forth exhausted because he lets out a little. Because he's a good boy. Yes. And meanwhile, uh, Doctor Morocco is. Uh, Goes in for a spell in his, uh, chamber of yeah, youth. Okay. This, this, well, this explains why he looks the same as he did in the other episode, like 70 years earlier. Mm -hmm. And he's even older than this would imply because he has had this since 1889. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if like, I forget if he said he was 50 years old or he got this 50 years ago. I think he got this 50 years ago. Yeah, he said he got this 50 years okay, ago. Okay, so which means, wow. He's even older than my math, because I did the math of figuring, okay, if if he was 50 years old at this point, he would be, was like 123 years old in the time of the show, but since he's older than that... Yeah, he's, he's, he's like Mr. Sinister. Yeah. He's like 150? Plus? In more ways than one. I mean, yes, he is. Well, he, he insists that he is a, he is Dr. Sinister. <laughs> yes. I didn't go to Sinister Medical College to be called Mr. Sinister. <laughs> he 
probably did too. <laughs> Listen, all I want is your essence, your boys. <laughs> and then he's gonna call Cody a sissy. <laughs> no. Because you're a sissy, Scott. You've always been a sissy. <laughs> Actual comics dialogue for Mr. Sinister. Uh, which is pretty um, hilarious, then, considering how he's now portrayed. Yes, and then Cyclops just responds, I'm not! Wasn't? <laughs> just so angry and petulant. Like, I'm not a sissy. <laughs> if he's such a sissy, Wasn't why does he Mr. want his Sinister DNA? bumming around? Oh, sorry, what was that? Because he needs it for a Wasn't Mr. Sinister, like, bumming around Canada in the 1880s? Yes, he was, because he's in Origin 2. Okay, so maybe he did get his doctorate in Maine? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he does sound like a guy who would sound like Tim Curry. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is British in the comics. Oh, yes. Tim Curry versus Sinister. Well, the crazy thing is, you know who... Oh, who something will probably never happen, but... Almost played him in New Mutants. <gasps> who? What? Uh, well, there. I guess they there was a cutscene where they're going to have, like, a secret villain at the end in, like, the like the post credit scene. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, I heard and it's going to be Mr. Sinister, played by John Hamm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm not sure Hamm's a great choice. Maybe too handsome for Mr. Sinister. Yeah. Beefy, though. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Mr. Sinister is supposed to look kind of handsome, beefy. Well, that's like a burly because he's bear. a character. Well, he's a comic book character from the clean. late 80s. All of them well, are yes. just extremely well, yeah. beefy, regardless of rationality. Yeah, I'm curious as to if he was just going to be like a guy in a suit and he was going to be like, oh, well, Dr. Essex, how's it going? Or if he was just going to show up in like that weird, like stringy cape. Yes. Well, no, and you- with like white makeup and a red diamond on his forehead and vampire teeth. Yes. Kind of, I, you go, you half go that. Like he has like a pinstripe suit with a high collar, pale skin, maybe the little diamond on his head and black lipstick. Mm. The lipstick is important. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, so that anyway. does answer some questions while creating more questions. <laughs> yes, I mean he's been bum he's been bumming around since the Civil War, apparently. Yes. So he's like a budget time lord? I mean I guess that fits since he kinda looks like the master, the original version of well, original two versions of the master. It is shocking that Tim Curry never played the master. Yeah, it is what it, 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 he never lined up at the right level of his fame yeah, to be on the show. True. Like, if there hadn't been a gap in the middle, he would have been in there somewhere. When Doctor Who was actually running. I mean, often they kind of have it as a surprise now, and you can't have Tim Curry show up on Doctor Who, because everybody will immediately say, well, he's obviously just the master. <laughs> <laughs> Although they did fake us out with David Warner, where he showed up on an episode, and I thought, well, okay, that guy's probably the master because he's David Warner, but he was just David Warner. There was definitely an episode of Midsummer Murders, which I mentioned my parents watch a lot, where David Warner is on it. My dad was like, well, I guess we know who the murderer is. Yeah. Although, strangely enough, I think in his most famous movie role, he is in fact murdered. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. What, what is his most famous uh, movie role other than Ninja Turtles 2? I was going to say The Omen, where he amazingly gets decapitated with a sheet of plate glass. Ooh. Oh. I, I, I was going to say The MCP, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I was going to say uh, Star Trek VI, The uh, Undiscovered Country. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh. Anyway, David Warner, not in this episode. 
No. Alas. Uh, but yeah, he's, uh, so he's, he's very excited with the robots. And he says, well, uh, you know, the, the, the war department would pay me hundreds for them. It <laughs> <laughs> was a great little joke. Ah, <laughs> inflation. Yeah. And he, you know, he decided, well, I'm just going to dissect them and then build my own. As you do. It's kind of his yes. thing. Stealing. Yes. But yeah, he's he's not he's not really an inventor. He is a scavenger. To be fair, uh, a parasite. Well, it is very it, it is a very impressive skill to be able to reverse engineer technology. Yeah, that you've well, yes. stolen. So I'm not going to totally write him off as an absolute fraud. No, although we we do know with that rejuvenation chamber, he just says he just straight up stole it. Yeah, hmm. that's true. In fact, I believe we later find out who he stole it from. Ooh. Was it H.G. Wells? I think it actually was Jules Verne. Okay, that was my other guess. I'm very curious as to eventually see that one, because I want to know who's doing a bad French accent. Yes. (laughs) Or if they're even bothering with French accent. You have to make it French. Of course, he's he's Jules Verne. Everybody can do a bit of the French accent. Or they might just stick him with a British accent. He wrote an entire book about how great France how France France is like the best. Well, that's most of his books because uh, I mean I loved uh 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that bothered me is you know our hero is you know the Frenchman. And then his like uncouth companion who's almost always wrong, Canadian. <laughs> oh. It's uh Ned Land. Oh, famous Canadians in literature. That that is a category I can barely even think of. <laughs> Logan. Oh, Ned Land. That would be the that would be the Daily Double. Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. Wolverine. Uh, get some Alice Munro in there. Yeah. Some Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, luckily uh, Frankie and Cody have arrived, and th- well, first off, they uh, so he's going to dissect them. They decide to fight back. You know, Heatwave is all bleep bloop, must defend integrity of self or whatever. Yes, he does. And then he just pins them to the wall with a giant magnet. Do a, like, warning, we are programmed for, or to defend ourselves or something like that. So he doesn't break cover, but totally makes a threat. But yeah, yes. wh- why does he have these giant, like, wall-sized electromagnets? And wait, did they really even have... Giant electromagnets back then? Yeah, I'm well, pretty I mean, sure had, electromagnet I, technology was a thing by then. Also, they're building time machines, so yes. I'm well, okay, going to give yeah, them a pass the time on machine does kind of bend everything else. Once you have gets, electricity, yeah. electromagnets aren't that hard. Like, y- yeah. you can make one with some wiring yeah. and stuff that you could have bought at Radio Shack back when Radio Shack existed. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure actually that Michael Faraday, like, built electromagnets in the, uh, like, in the 19th century. Oh, okay. So once, once you have electricity, electromagnets are not actually very hard. You just Mm. apply the electricity to the magnet. He stole something from Faraday, too. (gasps) Oh no! Still, that's like a big thing to just have for no good reason to just happen to, to have. it, and to have enough kind of, power to leave it on. Yeah, it's kind of a supervillain thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very supervillain thing. Like, if you're yeah. building a supervillain lair on the schematic somewhere, you're just like, and this is the electromagnetic wall. 
for when I inevitably fight some robots. Why has he been going by the same name for, like, a century? Uh, Shouldn't he have changed names at some point, like when he was competing with Doc Green? I'm, yeah, that is I'm a gonna, question. What, like, what? <laughs> you would think he would be in the town records. I'm going to vote narcissism. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> or, or maybe he was going as like, you know, Thaddeus Morocco the third at this point. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, at least like in oh, fiction, he would absolutely do that. Like vampires will at least make it like disappear for a couple of years, and oh, this is my son taking or, up my uh, inheritance or something. Or, uh, or in Highlander, that's, uh, that's what Christopher Lambert does. Yeah, well, he's basically a vampire. And he's got that uh, that sweet uh, antique shop in that. Ooh. Like a vampire would have. I see. I, I, the, the, the trick is I buy all these items new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's another movie I should rewatch. And the second one. And now there, there can... The second one's good. There can be only one. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so Cody and Frankie, they have found a junkyard where Dither has fallen in love with an old-timey fridge. <laughs> yes. yes, literally. Was it a fridge or a washing machine? I think it's a fridge. They they sort of had those like big doodads on top. That like that sort of those became the coils that are now on the back of it. Oh, that's where the Freon and shit goes. Yes, the bad shit. I did not know yes. that. This is exciting. Yeah, no, I I used to work in a museum and we had one quite similar to this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so they get back there and they distract Morocco. Well, no, they- there's a weird thing. It's like, again, it feels like scene missing. Cause like the, the little dither runs away and then, then Frankie's got the watch. It's like, Oh, I know the password. And it's, they don't show the scene of getting him back. It feels like there should be a scene of them getting him back. Like, why did he bother to run away? And then they said, Oh, I can get him. And then they don't show the scene of him getting him. And then suddenly they're back at the lab. Real missing. <laughs> yeah. Th- there's a few spots in this episode that feels like maybe this was supposed to be a three parter. I could see that. I can kind yeah. of think that there would be more of them, like, poking around in 1939, yeah. like, meeting, you know, Grandpa Burns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do see scenes, like, is it? Oh, no, no, it's in the future we see other people. Yes. Next episode. But, yeah, there should have been more than, than just uh, Mrs. Niederlander and Petty Paws, the, the negative fifth. <laughs> yes. So they, they managed to distract him with uh, some intercom shenanigans. You say, oh, Science Magazine is named you Scientist of the Year. And he goes, finally. <laughs> just, that was so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's science. I mean, I guess maybe back then there was a science magazine, but that's just so vague. Well, there's science. It's it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a journal. Yeah. Well, no, it's Science I mean, Magazine it and they named him Scientist of the Year. Finally. I don't think they have a scientist of the year, though. I just, I really like that, finally. So, uh, so they start, so Cody starts trying to free them, and while doing so, the bots drop the act, and Frankie finally finds out, although it turns out, she's known for a while. Yeah. Yeah. She says she's always known, but not quite. Like, it, it's vague enough that she doesn't confirm when she officially knew. No. But she's suspected for a long time. I, yeah, I figure it's one of those things where she probably just suspected, and now that it's been confirmed, she was like, yeah, I totally, absolutely, 100% knew that the whole time. <laughs> yes. Turns out you're all very bad actors. Aww. Oh, which, 
Which one of the bots is, is uh, most depressed that the charade has failed? Oh, oh, it's there. There is a moment there where like someone says something about them them talking, and and blades who had not yet spoken says, "I didn't say anything." <laughs> and Chase is like, "You're not helping." Yeah. Oh, he's a good boy. And of course, she is full of questions. Yes. Mm. But Mary, they will have to wait. Yes. She does ask if they have to do everything that Cody tells them to, and they kind of ha- all have different answers. Oh, yeah, But their answers good. are all basically no. <laughs> well, Heatwave is absolutely not. Boulder's like, eh, sometimes. Yeah. Chase only takes orders from Chief Burns. And Blaze, wait, 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 we have a choice? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. That again, Blades has the best line of the episode. Kinda. There's some other good oh, lines yes. of this episode, but that that one's close to the top. They're all mm. good. But anyway, these bots are still magnetized, and Doctor Marco's. Wait a minute. There's no science magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's just coming at them, you know, with a with a giant, terrifying drill. He's like, "Well, what are you going to do? Stop me?" And then Optimus and special guest Bumblebee just come busting through. Bam! It, it was very surprising. I mean, for one thing, when the chief was talking to Optimus Prime earlier, it didn't sound like it concluded with Optimus saying, all right, we'll be right over. So this yeah, that, this was a definite, like, it was a surprise. Yes. It, it was, like, it, it's a surprise you would want to leave out. Because it makes yes. sense, it, but it it does. It, it's a Deus Ex Prime. <laughs> yeah, it's like th- things are so bad, we we just need to bring in two guest stars, but we only have to pay one guest voice. The Prime <laughs> Ex Machina. Yes. Oh yeah, Prime Ex Machina works better. It's good because Prime is variously divinity. The one yeah. in the machine. <laughs> yes. Who is a machine? So He's hilariously, Morocco ends up getting like pinned to the wall with a piece of pipe. It looks like he was going to impale him with it, which is terrifying and yeah. somewhat plausible. He's he's gotta he's gotta impress everybody. His new buddies yeah. are here and he really wants to go murder with them. That's right. So he's gonna see if doing a murder will impress them. But but no, yeah. he does not actually kill Dr. Morocco. Yes. So they So they get to uh, they get to the time machine, but it is being guarded by Dr. Hendrickson, who is going to take them on with her broom. Yes. She's all ready. But luckily, they're able to convince her pretty quickly that, uh, you know, these guys are, you know, they're just trying to get home. And also, Dr. Morocco is a real fink. <laughs> and also, he's like 90 years old. You guys should look into that. Yeah, I might want to investigate that. He might not even be British. <gasps> what? <laughs> I bet he doesn't even need that monocle either. Back back to <laughs> X Men. Is it like uh, doesn't Emma Frost canonically have a fake British accent? Yep. Yes, I think yeah. she was supposed to be written sort of like uh, Madonna, <laughs> doing her in her fake British accent face. But yes, yeah, I think they retconned it because of Madonna. It's like, oh no, she's just faking an English accent. Oh no, well, it's uh, th- that goes back to the uh, original handbooks from the eighties, where it says that she was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay, I didn't. So I bet that not only like when she gets angry, she does not only drop the a- drop the British accent, but she also gets super Bostony. Boston. Oh, yeah, I bet he's not even from England. I bet he's from Boston. Emma Frost watching the sacks. Alright, uh, you'd uh, better get these robots back here. <laughs> I'll be uh, wicked upset. 
I bet she doesn't even do the accent. She just, like, changes people's memories to remember her as having the accent. (laughs) (laughs) That's stupid Emma. I hate her. I mean, I don't. I don't know. She's fun. My feelings towards her vary by writer and events. I like the dynamic of her and Scott. I guess. Like, they work well together better than Jean Grey, who, well, admittedly, was dead for most of me reading comics as a kid. <laughs> so, anyway, they get to the time machine. Uh, you know, they, they note that they've lost Dither somewhere. They can't find him. They can't go back for him, because they have to... I mean, they've got people who are going to come and, like, bust in. Yeah, so, so they have to go without him. So they, uh, they get back, they get back to the future! And then specifically my, my notes here say, oh no, Biff got the almanac. Yes, Dither is the sports almanac. Well, but, but in this case, it's Dr. Peter Cullen delivering Dither to the master. Yes. Hey, uh, did you, did you lose the sports almanac? Oh, wow, it's going to take how long for the Cubs to win the World Series again? Jeez. (laughs) So, yeah, they they get out of the lab, and surprisingly, nobody's there to greet them. Because they are in Biff 10 in 1985. Oh, no! Yeah, it's... Or or rather, they are Verging on that disturbing? Yeah, it it is uh, Dr. Morocco's 2012... Uh, Moropolis. It's very, like, Red China slash Stalinist Russia. Yes. It, it's very, well, with, with the, the red flags with black design on it, it's, um, very fascist. Oh, yes. yes. And it, it's like, kind of all the, the alternate history cliches sans zeppelins. <laughs> And, and Dr. Marco had a Zeppelin in the previous episode he was in. Yeah. He does the, not have one this time. Really should have been Zeppelins just floating in the sky. Like, th- that's, that's rule one of, oh no, we're in the evil timeline. Well, Dr. Marco definitely gives off, like, genteel British fascist vibes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like a Lord Ha Ha or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oswald Mosley. Yes. So, and yeah, they are, uh, they, they are, Surrounded by a group of more bots, and that is where we end the episode. <gasps> a two-parter, a bad ending, no. a cliffhanger. Do 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 to be continued. You know, for all I keep talking about age-appropriate this and that, I've noticed that Netflix does have this listed as like Y seven, so mm. like ages seven and up. I mean, it's and this is you know it. It takes a fair bit of cognitive ability to sort of figure out the whole alternate timeline thing mm-hmm. that this goes for. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but you know, I guess, you know, kids are smart enough to understand time travel these days. Right. Yeah, it comes up in enough things, but. No. Yeah. I don't know if Paw Patrol ever tackled time travel. I'd have to ask my <laughs> sister. Oh, uh, the, uh, the, f- the future run by evil cats. <gasps> oh, no. Fascist alternate dog future. Where <laughs> there are more dog cops. 
All right, so that yeah, that uh, that does it for for this episode. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, I yeah. kind of wanted to spend more time in 1939 just to see Frankie not getting more stuff from the past. Yeah. No, no, no. We're looking for a TV. <laughs> it's like a radio, but you can see it. But there's like pictures. You have one. Her show's on. Well, also, like, you can't spend too much time in 39 dancing around the, oh, we maybe we should mention World War II to somebody before it happens. Well, in a, well, I, because you don't want to mess with the war. And I mean, I think people back then probably have a good idea that, though, you know, that, uh, that Hitler's a bad egg. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, people should have, but you know, there were, there were some people that were pro Hitler. Yeah. Well, yes. That's the thing. That's not the same as not knowing it's going on. That's knowing it's yeah, going on and still not knowing if we should get involved yet. Well, and also, this is a kid show. We're not going to see, you know, Mayor Lusky's ancestor leading the uh, Griffin Rock brown shirts. <laughs> yeah. That, well, it's Calling good. in death threats to Jack Kirby. <laughs> oh, getting punched by Jack Kirby. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's it, a very good episode. It, 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 it does feel like this could have been a three-parter, but then that yes. might have dragged it out too long. Yeah, I could see that. I personally wonder, like, at what point in the production of this season they just accepted that there was going to have to be a time travel episode at one point, and if they just actively that that was like part of the the story plan from the beginning was end of first season. We're saving the time travel for the end of the first season. I get. Once you put Doc Green in a DeLorean, you <laughs> definitely know you are doing a time travel episode at the end of the season. So yeah, it's just a question of how long. And so they must have known before that. Mm. And that was like episode four or something? Yeah. I don't know that time travel ever comes back on this show. Well, I mean, Good? it doesn't exactly go well. So. Time travel gets complicated. Yes, time travel gets very complicated. Yes. Holographic right. Chester A. Arthur is much less complicated as a recurring yes. thing. <laughs> yes. All right. So I think that now brings us to David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yay! This week on QQ Sentai GoGo 5, the Grand Witch's Hour of Descent. I like witches. Does somebody get turned into a mouse? <gasps> no, no. Well, so I'm... I would bet money that at some point in some Sentai series, somebody does get turned into a mouse. Yes. But I don't think this series... <laughs> Just not this one. Yeah. Um, the opening the opening theme song is still the same, but some of the visuals have changed. Because it used to be like the planets would form in a little cross alignment, and then everything would set on fire, and there were other things that are different. Now, two giant hands come and crush the Earth, and then it it's half the same opening visually, but it works in the new robots and some other symbolism of planets and things. <laughs> anyway, um, everyone is kind of nervous because, oh no, there's ten days left before the grand conjunction of planets and whatnot. And they're worried about the minus energy that, that the bad guys are summoning. Well, in the subtitles it calls it negative energy, but in Japanese they're saying minus energy very clearly. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Anyway, the, the bad guys are setting up a plan they summon uh, Priest Saima Beast Hallelujan. Hallelujan. <laughs> He's not actually a cat. He's just sort of a priest monster thing with kind of a tentacle beard. 
Sort of, but not really. <laughs> anyway, so he, he's going to perform a giant summoning circle to, to bring Space Witch Mom down. Which in the process starts, to, like, lightning hits the ground and there's fires. And, like, uh, the rangers are like, we have to find out where they're doing the ceremony to summon the witch. But there's fires we have to go put out and we're rescue heroes, so let's go stop the fires first. Because we can't do nothing about that. Um... Oh, Dad, like, is trying to track the minus energy. Hops on a motorcycle. He rides a motorcycle? Is he a common rider? No, he's just an old guy named Mondo. Aw. But he he fig- figures out where the minus energy is, and then he gets captured by the bad guys, because he, sneak- he sneaks into the basement where they're doing this summoning ritual circle stuff. And then the dumbest of the Saima family sneaks up behind him. <laughs> like the big dumb brother. He gets caught. Then the ra- the rangers finish putting up fires, and they, they find out where Dad is, because there's a giant pillar of light shooting up into the air. It's like, oh, he must be there. So are the bad guys. Let's go there. They go there. Um, I always go into the danger. <laughs> anyway, the priest monster grows tall on his own, which that's new. I guess he was absorbing the minus energy, too. Anyway... Uh, so they're fighting him as a giant robot. He's big. Action Dad goes down to the basement to try and destroy the summoning circle and stop the summoning. But Grand Witch Grandina, like her face is floating in the sky, and there's a giant tidal wave threatening the city. But Dad does save the day with the power of a rock, which he breaks some, like, the glowing crystal... The, the the thing you get like at Spencer's Gifts where you touch it and it's electricity. What uh, are those things called? A dildo? No, the ball thing when you touch it, it's got lightning in it. I thought that's oh, what you got at Spencer's ball. Gifts. Plasma ball. Yes, no. No, no. no, no. I, I had a, a, a story of a younger friend who went in there wondering why you would need a glow-in-the-dark candle. It was not a candle. Obviously, it's a massager. <laughs> Because if it's glowing in the dark, you don't, it doesn't need to be a candle, because that creates light, so that didn't make sense to this friend of mine, (laughs) who did not realize that that was not a candle. Oh, so naive. Anyway, Dad cuts off the power, the summoning sort of stops. Uh, They destroy the giant monster, because he's less powerful now, that he's not being powered by the minus energy. Yay, the day is saved. Oh no, but the building that the summoning circle was under collapsed and dad is buried under rubble. Is dad dead? (gasps) Dun dun dun. To be continued for that line. Cut back to the bad guy's base. Which I think is like in the Antarctic or something. I think there's ice. But they have this giant creepy skull-faced castle. And oh no, they're all, oh whoa, mom did not come back. The summoning didn't work. And then mom floats in. Kind of. She's like not fully formed. She's sort of in this rock egg with her face sticking out and there's tentacles hanging down. And she's really cranky. <laughs> like, I'm here, but it didn't quite work. To be continued. Dun dun dun. Alright, so that does it for this week. But you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and domain renewals and other expenses. 
That is at patreon.com slash underground. And bereft of exciting new blockbuster movies to watch this summer, we've decided to watch GoBots, as in Challenge <laughs> of the... That's right. So it's, it's, it's our first venture into Hanna-Barbera territory. Yes, somehow, amazingly. Uh, so yes, for as little as a dollar a month, you can hear our entire backlog of Patreon well, episodes. Isn't, isn't there like a added tax now on like all of Patreon? So uh, it might actually be more no than a dollar, I think. It might be a dollar and five cents. Yeah. The point yeah, is it's, it's Marginal. Uh, the, the point is, it does take money. It doesn't take fame, but you do need a credit card to ride this train. <laughs> That's true. I mean, PayPal you know, would yes. work, but you kind of need a credit card with PayPal. So yeah, you know, it, it's strong and it's sudden. And it is cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. <laughs> <laughs> I think PayPal can take directly out of your bank account, so you know. I have no idea. It could work. It's a curious thing. I mean, it makes one man weep and another man sing. I put that song on my on my new car playlist uh, because my new card is uh, very skids esque. So I needed some more than meets the eye music in there. All right. So until next time, then when we uh, we conclude this season and this uh, two parter, and we go bot to the future. <gasps> Marty! I'm Rob. I'm Jen. It's a bot Tim Curry. I'm David. Oh man, Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. <laughs>